UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, howling in the street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. Live, by the way? No, it's not live. It's just uh, pre-recorded. But um, okay. okay, here we go. And you're muted. I, my my intro should be playing, but it's not. It's wow. not showing on the screen. Did it play on your end? Okay. Okay, we're good now. I'll edit that out. Hey, guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have a fascinating guest on me today. You may have seen him on um, Open Your Reality with Chad. That's who actually told me about Christopher. And um, and I, I have a good relationship with Chad from Open Your Reality. I've done his show a couple times. He's done my show. And, uh, you know, he, he introduced me to he told me about Christopher and Anatra, who I have on today, and a little bit more about my guest. They call him the quantum businessman, and his, I'll read his bio as goes as this. All the world is a stage, and my script name for this lifetime is Christopher Anatra. You know me as the quantum businessman. I'm the president and CEO of a computer software company specializing in food distribution, which I started in 1990. In the year 2016, I began a spiritual awakening process, which has been continuing to this day. Part of the process involved the Mandela effect and how the phenomenon was changing the names of food products that my clients dealt with daily. That, and then we'll get in, we'll get more into that. And his website is thequantumbusinessmen.com. And I want to give him a big warm welcome to the show. Christopher, thank you for joining me. How are you? Very good. I'm so happy to be with you, Rob, and to talk to you and uh, for everyone that watches your show. Hello. Nice to meet you all in this uh, virtual reality um, matrix that we're in, this dreamscape, this dream, lucid dream that we're having right now. I, I would agree. I, I always tell people I feel like our, dr our dream reality might be a parallel reality that might be just as real as this reality. Do you think so? Um, well, it depends on how you define that, but I actually feel that we're, we're literally dreaming right now. We're literally in this, in this holographic simulation, you could call it. That's one word you could use for it. I, I call it the earth game, um, that we are actually having an experience that everything around us seems pretty real, but is it really, is it more of a projection of light? using something called hard light technology. So yeah, where are we? Who are we? What are we? Those are the questions I'm always trying to answer. Well, what is, okay, well, first of all, what is hard light technology? What would you say that is? Um, you would define that, or I would define that as sound waves in the ether. So 
you know, Tesla said, if you want to understand the, the um, universe, think of energy, frequency, and vibration. So just as you can put sand or a liquid on one of those cymatic plates that vibrates at a certain frequency, right? It'll make a cer certain pattern. That's literally the technology that's being used to project everything around us and everything that we, that we are viewing, you know, in front of us, everything that we hear with our ears, everything that, you know, all the, all the five different senses all come alive because of this hard light technology. Okay. Well, uh, that's so interesting. That's amazing. Like, how did you figure that out? And is, do we have like some kind of like, you know, what's the basis for that? Uh, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. So um, what is the basis for that? So a lot of it had to do with like the beginning part of my awakening process, because when I first started, I was like, I was deep in the matrix, so to speak. You know, I was running my business, um, just concerned about that, um, much lower frequency. And when you start to live life that way, you really get get trapped. You believe that everything around you is is real and you're actually in a sleeping mode. And then towards the end of 2016, some really incredible things started to happen to me. One had to do with the Mandela effect. Another one had to do with seeing visions. So, and I could talk about those different things, but one thing led to another, which leads to a concept of getting DNA activations, which leads to well, what kind of DNA activations are there? And one of them is something called knowingness, or I'll call it knowingness, where you begin to just know and understand about what the reality is and how it's not so different from video games that people play. I know it sounds kind of way out there, but that has to get used to me because <laughs> I talk about all the way out subjects. No, that's awesome. I, I love that. And I remember like, I remember when Jim Elvidge, he was on Art Bell uh, back in 2015, but then he did my show too is why I asked him about this. He said there could be a point where we're, there's like simulations inside of simulations inside of simulations, if that makes any sense. Like we'll, we'll, we'll start to make <laughs> simulations inside of a simulate. Does that make any sense or do, do, or what do you think about that? Yeah. So actually I, I made a video about that. It's called Gucci of the gods. And in that video, I talk about the Anunnaki. It kind of reminds me of the image I see behind you. Right. So yeah. you know the, those handbags that the, that the Anunnaki would hold, you know, yeah. what are, what are those people have speculated? Oh, it was a bag of drugs or some, I don't know, whatever people have speculated, no one's really known what they are. But when you look at the Akashic records, it begins to reveal it's a symbolism for the ability to create a pocket universe or a pocket dimension. So the Anunnaki were skilled in that they were actually able to create worlds within worlds, so to speak, and maybe put beings in another world from a, from another world. So it gets very complex, but it begins to show you the complexity of you know the environment the reality that we're living in there's many many different layers and understandings to get to i i love what you just said and you know what's interesting like when i uh i listened to matt Lacroix a lot i was lucky i, I was i was it was i he when i first had my awakening i was like a little bit later than you i was 2017 i i mean like i was an art bell fan when i was a kid so i was always kind of into the paranormal 
But then, like, you know, my first introduction into this was Matt LaCroix. I'm sure you're familiar with him. But he said that or the Anunnaki or the Anuna, whatever, they called themselves the ordainers of destinies. And I thought that was very powerful. And there's one quote in the tablets that's where Enlil says to Anki, he says, where you went, you were supposed to break the chain to set us free. Now, there's a lot of different interpretations that can go from the ordainers of destinies and that second phrase of what I just said. But, like, what do you think of all that? Like, because you're pretty deep. And I thought I would ask you that because I just I, I just know that you're a really deep person. I'd love to hear what you think of that. Yeah. So, you know, what, you know, what are the Anunnaki? How are they related to the ancient Sumerians? You know, there definitely seems to be a direct connection there to Mesopotamia and Samaria. Um, were they offshoots of Atlantis? Just like I talk about the, the Mayan empire in ancient Egypt, they're all offshoots of Atlantis. Um, you know, are they an ET race? You know, um, do, do they have, or did they have a role to play on this planet? And, that goes into like a another type of subject. In one of my last videos, I covered that a, a little bit with a Mandela effect, actually, because there's a famous man, Star Wars Mandela effect. Yeah. Yeah, where um, Darth Vader says to Luke Skywalker, we always remember him saying, Luke, I am your father. But in this timeline, he says, no, I am your father. And I talk about the word no, right? So people are like, oh, my, no, it wasn't that way at all. Uh, why was there a change? So I always like to find the hidden meanings in Mandela effects because I believe everything is synchronicities. We're getting messages all over the place. You just have to tune in to see what they are. So you take the word no, it could be N-O, or it could be K-N-O-W as to know something or to comprehend something or to understand something. So maybe... Darth Vader, also known as Anakin Skywalker, Anunnaki Skywalker, the Anunnaki were known as the, the sky gods, the walkers in the sky. Could he be saying to know that we are the genetic creators of the human avatar that you're currently in? And of course, Luke Skywalker was like, no, no, no. And then he jumps off the platform like it can't be. <laughs> so do we, and I love to connect the dots with this. So can so do the or did the Anunnaki have a role to play in creating these avatars that we're in right now? I believe the answer is yes. And yeah, so that whole subject kind of goes off into like there's all different ways you can look at the, the Anunnaki and those type of things. But yeah, I agree. That's deep. And like I think it says like, you know, like if you read the tablets, like the one tablet, the Atrahasis, which is like, you know, like Noah. It's like basically the Atrahasis of the story of Noah, but it's a lot different because it involves, you know, Anki and Enlil, and Anki goes to Atrahasis, and he says, tells him to build a boat, and that there's that Enlil's going to flood the world and everything, and then, you know, Atrahasis survives. But in the Atrahasis, they also talk about how the Anunnaki created man, and I think that's really deep because I think, like, um, you know, like, why would they have written about that if there wasn't some truth to it? Why would it just be a myth? I don't yeah. think I, I think there's some truth in myths too, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, is that the story about Gilgamesh that you're referring to? 
Well, no, but it, that's the atrahasis where they, it talks about like the, the Anunnaki trained man, and then it's like the, basically the story of Noah. But like atrahasis is another story of Noah. But Gilgamesh, the the tablet of Gilgamesh actually connects to the tablet of the atrahasis because Gilgamesh is searching for immortality, and he goes to the gods, and he runs into atrahasis. What they call him in that written, they call him Utnapishtim. Or they also, his other name, I can't remember what his other name was, but there's like four names for this guy, right? But that's who Gilgamesh runs into. So we see that then that these tablets can connect, that there's actually some truth in the tablets because then you see that Gilgamesh actually connects to the Atrahasis. So Gilgamesh finds Atrahasis or Noah, and he says, you know, he's looking, he's searching for immortality. And Noah or Atrahasis explains to him that. He was given immortality by the gods and nobody has given been given immortality since. But I find that really powerful because I, I just think that that's, it shows how the tablets can connect, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's really fascinating when you can connect the dots and yeah, one thing leads to another that confirms something else. Absolutely. I'm not sure of anything though. Cause a, a lot of people say that these tablets have been manipulated and stuff. I try to get good sources for them. I try to, I mean, I read them on Oxford's website I've read like different Assyriologists like George Smith. And I mean, I, you know, people drag on Sitchin, but I feel like he was a pioneer. So, okay. But I, I, I was like, okay, I'll go get my sources somewhere else. And I, I went to other sources. There's like Austin Henry Laird. There's a bunch of different Assyriologists that translated the tablets and they're all coming up with like a similar, um, a similar story that, that this actually seems like it happened, you know, or I, I always say, I don't know because, I'm not sure, you know, because it's it's a kind of up for debate, I think, I guess. Right. Yeah, I gotcha. But what I wanted to get into, I wanted to ask you about the Mandela effect, because I think this is fascinating. Like you were having examples of the Mandela effect at your work. Now, what I find fascinating about this is the fact that like, I mean, maybe you could explain it to the audience so like they, they would get a better understanding because it kind of shows that there's some manipulation of the timeline there, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And with the Mandela effect, too, it really makes an impact when it's something that you know really well. So for me and my business, you know, a lot of my customers sell avocados. And I know that avocados is a certain type that's really popular called Haas avocados, H-A-A-S. However, I was starting to get reports like at the end of 2016 into 2017, your software has a bug. It changed all of our Haas, H-A-A-S avocados to Haas. And I'm like, our software wouldn't do that. Or they call and they say, like, what happened to our Stouffer stovetop stuffing? You know, now it's craft stuffing mix. And I'm like, it removed the Stouffer's. And I'm like, no, it didn't. Then they would look at the box and the box would say craft on it. So I, I began to like, those are just two examples. But I began to see that things that I remembered and that they remembered were changing. And, you know, how could that be? Like, how could there be these types of Mandela effects? And they involve not just like, uh, you know, names of avocados and, you know, stuffing mix, but it spans everything from pop culture to um, art to um, the geography of the earth to the Bible. So, I mean, they, they have the, there's all these Mandela effects everywhere. And then the first one that really got me was the JFK assassination. That was like the big one for me because as a kid, I watched, you know, trying to, to figure out, is there a grassy knoll? And, you know, you know, did somebody fire shots there and frame by frame of the assassination? And it was at the end of 2016. It was in November. 
And I had some friends over, and I think that was right after Trump was elected. And we were talking about like, oh, this he promises to release more stuff from the Warren report. I wonder what he's going to release. And I went to, I have a computer in the kitchen. I went to that. And I went to bring up the video of um, the assassination. It was completely different. It, I remember there being four people in the car and, you know. Is that the Zapruder film? Yeah. And now there's like additional, like in my old timeline is, well, first of all, now there's six people in the car and JFK gets shot and the governor of Texas gets shot in the leg. You know, so there's like the governor of Texas and his wife are also in the car. So there's six people in the car altogether. And now there's not just the Zabruder film, but there's the Orville Nix film. Orville Nix was shooting from the opposite side. So he was able, you could actually see Zabruder filming from the other side. And I'm like, wait, whoa, that was never in my reality. There's the Marie Muchmore film. She was also filming. So you've got like three film, films and like more, there's more photographic evidence that happened. And that's what seems to happen with these timelines. Like it feels like we're going through a merging process. And as we merge, like more data is entering into the reality. So these things that never existed before are now in our reality now because of all the different timelines that seem to be merging. I got a question for you. I The reason why I didn't do this live is because I had a guy on my show last night talking about the Mandela effect and I didn't want to do back to back Mandela effect shows, but okay. you know, I'll probably put this out in like, like a couple of days. But what I was getting to is the guy that I had on last night, he was, he thinks that, that, that there, I, I mean, okay. He thinks that there's a more malevolent thing going on here. He thinks that somebody is trying to, that these Mandela effects are a sign of someone trying to, negatively influence our timeline so they can have total control over our reality and turn us into like some kind of transhumanist agenda. Now, I don't know if that's right. I, I don't, I don't, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm not sure of anything like, but um, I, it seems like when I listen to you in other podcasts that you have a more benevolent outlook on what might be going on with these timelines. Is that correct? Or what do you think? I, I call it a chess game. So basically there, there are two sides and I'm, and ultimately Earth game, we're all gamers. We're, we're literally yeah. all gamers. Um, so basically, it's a chess game. So one player will make a move. They'll uh, do a timeline insertion, I'll call it, of something negative. And then the other player is like, "No, I'm not going to let that that stand. I'm going to I'm going to outmaneuver you and bring in a positive uh, timeline event." So I definitely see the the going back and forth of this whole chess game of what's going on in the unseen. So that's how I see it. You could so you could look and, at it both ways. Who do you think is doing? Do you think it might have something to do with CERN and like the Hadron Collider that like they might be doing it, manipulating the timelines? Or do we have any idea? Or do you think it's the Anunnaki? Do you think that's why they call themselves the ordainers of destiny, that they're able to manipulate timelines? Or do you think it's like even to go as far as something crazy like reptilians or something like that? Like, can we do you think we can even speculate as to who's doing this? We could we can definitely speculate. So I believe there's there's probably many different factions that are doing it, everything from time travelers to people that have been authorized or groups that have been authorized to make changes into, into the reality. CERN has a certain degree to play with this, especially when you consider they've got that statue of Shiva out in the front in Switzerland, Shiva, the god of time, of creation and destruction. You know, yeah. why Why do these nerds at CERN, do they think it's just cool to have a statue of, of Shiva out in the front? Or have they stolen authority from Shiva to do some of these different timeline events? So, yeah, I believe it's a, it's a whole combination of things. 
I, I, I would agree. Um, one, one person I had on my show recently that was really fascinating too was uh, Frank Jacob. He talks about that um, looking glass project. I don't know if you ever got into that. It's pretty interesting though, like that there's like this device called the looking glass where people can use it to time travel and that maybe that might have some kind of effect on the timelines. I just, what do you think of that? Have you, have you looked into that yet? Well, it reminds me of, again, the image you have behind you. Um, it looks like that Anunnaki is holding, I'll call it a pineal gland. And yeah. from, from what I know, that whole looking glass technology is literally based off of the human pineal gland and how that operates and how once we can activate our pineal gland and you get the little crystals in your pineal gland to start vibrating and the cranial sacral fluid is flowing in there and activating things in your pituitary and so forth. Um, that same type of concept can or was or to some extent was and maybe now even less was allowing that looking glass technology to uh, to operate. Same same technical principle. That That's that's fascinating. Um, one thing a couple I wanted to go over a couple um, Mandela effects with you. Like, what do you think are the, the what, I know you went with you talked with Chad about some new ones that came out. Do you, can you talk about, if you can remember, I know it might be hard to remember, but can you talk about some new ones that might, people might not have heard of that are really interesting? Yeah. I mean, for me, they're like popping up like literally all the time. So it seems like whenever I start looking into something, all of a sudden I start to find, oh, oh that's a Mandela effect. Um, I'll give you an example of one that I recently found and it had to do with the Titanic, right? So a lot of people are familiar with the Titanic and um, what the ship looked like to some extent. And I'm looking at the ship, um, you know, the other week and I'm like, this, this ship looks different. I, for me, I always remember that there were three smokestacks. Now there's four, but I also remember the color of the smokestacks. And I don't know, this might be a weak one for you, but do you remember like what the color of the smokestacks were on the Titanic? No, well, I would guess gray or no. Well, you, yeah, you could get, so again, things like this, if they're not strong, it doesn't really make much of an impact, but I remember them being black and red. And so maybe some of your viewers, they, they could comment in, you know, what they remember. So they were like red and black. So now in this timeline, they're gold. It's called oh. white, white star buff. And all, actually now all the ships in the white star line, which is the one that, that JP Morgan owned that built all of these ships like the Titanic and the Olympia and so forth. You could, you could pick them out because they have these bright gold smokestacks. And I'm like, no, that that's not, I don't remember it that way. So then what I like to do is tune into it. Like, what does that mean that the Titanic has these golden, I'll call it golden smokestacks. Um, could it be a sign of something called the golden timeline? Could it be a sign that those spirits that went down with the ship are actually doing a lot better. And then I'm looking at other photos and I'm, I'm looking at, at, the, at the officers. And in many of the photographs of the officers, they all wear dark like uniforms. And then all of a sudden I'm starting to see that they, they now wear white uniforms. And, and it's funny because you see, a, you can look at pictures from 1912 from, of the Titanic officers and some will show dark colored uniforms and sh some now show white, like Captain Smith, the captain of the Titanic, wears an all white uniform. 
and it, it like really stands out. But still in the movie, in the Titanic movie that James Cameron made, they're still wearing the dark uniforms. So I almost see, like I see things like a timeline storm. So things with the Titanic have gotten better for those spirits. And you can see it from the golden smokestacks. You can see it from now, you know, the officers wearing white. And you could say like, oh, white, white hats, dark, dark hats. Does that mean that the white hats are now more in control of what's going on with the Titanic? So there's all different ways you can read into that. So but th those are just uh, those are a couple of things that I just spotted the other week. And it's really cool when you see that it's not it's not all consistent. So you could see like the difference in in the almost like the timelines are literally merging. And eventually, I think all of them will catch up to the white uniforms. That's fascinating. I was going to say, do you speaking of history, do you think that like the evidence of Tataria was possibly a, a different timeline that's now bleeding into our reality? Yeah, that was definitely part of it. I think that Tartaria actually was in this reality and it got timeline edited out. So because you, you see all, even in the United States, you see all these beautiful build these beautiful structures that I can't figure out how they built them when so many places were broke, like so many governments were broke. They didn't have money for anything. And all of a sudden they build these grand state capitals or, you know, whatever it is. So, yeah, I believe that the Tartarians were literally timeline edited out. And then another timeline was overlaid, um, an older timeline of what we would call the first peoples or American Indians, however you want to re refer to that. Because does it make sense that Tartarians with their grand airships and free energy and all their advancements were living next to Indians and teepees, you know, in the 16, 17 and 1800s? Like it does, that doesn't make any sense to me. So yeah, when you begin to realize that this may be everything around us may not be real and that we could be in a type of game, it could start to begin to make sense how these things can actually happen. This is fascinating. It really is. Like, it's so hard to like put, uh, it's, it's such a trip. You know what I mean? Like it's so, uh, it's so wild to think, but I, I actually, I really believe you. I think you're exactly right. I feel like the more and more that I look into this stuff, the more and more I feel like that we're in some kind of simulated reality or game. And I, I, had many people on my show that, that believe it too. I, I, uh, oh, one, one thing that I thought was always so interesting was I had Dr. Kim McGeorge on my show and she said, um, okay, she said this, she said, go outside. I'm trying to think of how she said to do this, but this is really interesting. She said, go outside and find a spot where you can just stand and, and stare, stare at the, the world, right? Or, whatever your reality is at that moment. She said, take a spray paint can and spray an X on like the concrete or whatever, and then stand on that X. And she said, and then like, just look at everything and try to take everything in and take pictures of what's around you. And then she said, and then a week or two later, go back to that X and, and take pictures again. And then a couple of weeks later, go back out and do the same thing. And she said, you'll see that your reality is actually changing at, at the moment, would you, do you think that's possible? And what, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, that, that gets, that gets kind of like tricky to look at it that way, because I feel that like a lot of times once you, once you're, you begin to vibrate your frequency higher, you literally go into a higher timeline and then all the data will flow into you with that higher timeline. So sometimes the photographic evidence could be exactly the same because 
you also took those pictures in a lower frequency, but now you're in a higher frequency. So that that might that one might be a little dicey to observe, but really anything that could start to give you clues like that, that this reality is is literally changing. And a lot of times too, people will just think they're crazy. Like, like <laughs> they'll be like, I like I remember blah blah blah. And then it's not there anymore. And then then like some kind of an object or whatever it is, and all of a sudden it reappears again. So there's a lot of things like that that are kind of driving people a little bit mental, even like especially the changes in the Bible, because so many people that I know, because I grew up very religious and so many people that I know are like, you know, read the Bible every day. And, you know, and when they hear things like scriptures literally change from things such as the lion will lie down with the lamb to now it says the wolf will reside with the lamb. You know, I have one friend that said that he just like, when he saw that, he just went in his bedroom and he cried and prayed for like, <laughs> he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't know how to handle it. He didn't know what was going on. So it's trippy. It's crazy, right? It's like these things are happening around us and they expect us. I heard your story about the Bernstein Bears. And I, I was like, I, you remember, you, I think you said that you, I did a lot of studying. I tried to, you know, listen to a lot of shows that you did to prepare for this. And you said that. You you had you did you had the Bernstein Bears books and you thought that someone might have broken into your house and switched out the books because they're all different, right? Yeah, I I didn't know how to process it. Like I literally thought my ex-wife <laughs> broke into the house and replaced like the my good Berenstein Bears books with these Berenstein books, and but but I couldn't process it. And then you know I just kind of like you get busy with life and. This happened like around the year 2013. So you get busy with life and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and you forget about it. But at the time, it's like, what? <laughs> so, yeah. That's crazy. Uh, that's it's so that, what I wanted to ask you about was some of the other stuff you get into, which is uh, um, you wanted to talk a little bit about the Akashic Records. I find that fascinating. Like, how do, what do you do with the Akashic Records? And do you kind of guide people on how do they can access it? Yeah, so the Akashic Records are interesting. The best way I can describe it is a computer system that is keeping track of all of our scripts. So Shakespeare said, you know, we're, we're all actors on a stage. Um, and is it possible that we play different rule, uh, roles in different timelines or different, different times? Like is the whole... Is the whole concept of past lives and reincarnation even possible? You know, before my awakening process, if somebody said reincarnation, I would just think they were crazy. Like, let me get away from this person. Like, reincarnation doesn't make any sense. And then one of the things I began to learn was that it makes a lot of sense. So when someone is tapping into your Akashic records, um, what they're literally doing is accessing a computer database, I'll refer to it as, especially because I'm a computer guy, a computer database of all your past scripts and who you are. Um, your signature frequency at that time was the same as the birth name you were given. So you resonate at a certain frequency for that particular time in history. And it's all happening at the same, it's all happening now. That And that's another weird part to like wrap your head around so i try to i try to liken it to time zones so on the world you've got all these different time zones and it's all happening at the same time so if you're talking to 
somebody on the East Coast and they're on and you're on the West Coast, um, even though like your time zone is different, you're still alive and you're still communicating with that person. So basically, that's how all of our timelines and past lives work right now. They're all happening in the now. So and then Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I I was just talking crazy. It's it's one of those like things that at first is hard to wrap your head around. But once you think about it, it's like, oh, that kind of makes sense. And, you know, what is time and what is linear time? You know, click, click, click. How do we view things at 60 frames per second? So, yeah, all these things begin to like the more you look into it from these different angles, you begin to understand really the tapestry of the reality that's around us. Um, and do you, is it easier to like access the Akashic records? Do you use meditation or like, what do you think the best way is to try to access them? Well, when I was first starting to get visions, so I'm waking up, it's the end of 2016 into 2017. It's, for me, it started was, was um, I went into my bedroom one time and I closed my eyes and I opened my eyes and there were these two like feline beings in my room. And I'm like, well, what is this? Two lion people in my room? And one was a male, like, you know, a lion, like a human, human body wearing a military, a blue military uniform. And the other one was a, a female, looked like her, his wife. And she was wearing a blue, beautiful blue dress. And she had like a red ruby on her head. And I'm like, what the heck is this? Did somebody install a holographic projector in my, in my bedroom? Like, because <laughs> I felt completely normal, right? So, yeah. And then after that, I would close my eyes, like in, in the in the days forward after that, I close my eyes and I get these really, really um, vibrant visions, like 10 second movie clips of these scenes that I couldn't even make up. Like they were like amazing scenes. And I started to talk to people and I'm like, has this ever happened to you? And, you know, people were like, what are you talking about? Time to go to the doctor. <laughs> you might need medication. But I'm like, <laughs> but I feel completely normal. And then somebody, one of my friends told me, oh, it looks like you're tapping into your Akashic records. And I was like, what are Akashic records? I, I literally had never heard of them before. I literally never heard of it before in my entire life. So then I took a course on the Akashic records. Um, there's a local woman here in Connecticut that, that teaches it. I took her course, reading books. And then that began like a progression to begin to get the information to flow into your heart so that you can begin to get this, this, these data streams. That's cool. That's so cool. And then um, how does light language relate to it? I, I love light language. I've had a couple of different people come on my show and speak it. And um, every time that they do it, I get like a, like a buzz in my brain. It seems like it's like a, I almost want to say it's almost like a brainwave vibration. Like how did you get into light language and do you practice it? And what do you think of it? Well, if, if, if there was ever a hidden camera on me, you would find that often all of a sudden I just break in, break into light language. And some, I'm like, why am I speaking light language right now? Sometimes I feel that I'm talking to other beings around me or I'm sending out codes or whatever it is. But yeah, again, light language was one of those things. I'm like, kind of sounds like mumbo jumbo to me. Like what are people actually saying something? So I was activated for light language going back. I think it was in, um, end of 2018, December of 2018. And I had this big 
somatic release. I got really upset about something and was crying and shouting and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden I started speaking this other language and there were people that were far, far, kind of far away. I'll say a couple hundred feet away in a house and they heard me. I was so loud and they're like, Chris, you're, you're talking light language. And I'm like, I'm talking light language. So yeah. And then it just kept growing from that. It's almost like when you have a somatic release, you you're clearing something out and it's giving your divine self more room to, to come in and be able to manipulate your voice voice box and your tongue and everything, all the throat technology to actually start to speak light language. And yeah, it's um it's something that 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 I do that um I feel is very powerful again, because everything is energy, frequency, and vibration and light language, and it actually sends out light codes as well and and can affect people that way, just like you described. But that said, do you think like that we're getting like evolutionary upgrades? Like I know that going back to the Mandela effect that like I, the, the weirdest one for me was we didn't talk about this was the kidney punch. Like I because yeah, yeah. I've studied martial arts a lot in my life and I always knew that the kidney punch was like down here. Like I don't know if you can see where I'm pointing to on my back, but yeah. on the lower back. But now they yeah. say the kidneys are up under our ridge rib cage, which would make me think that's an evolutionary upgrade to protect our kidneys. Like, I, I don't know, but like, do you think that we're getting evolutionary upgrades? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, and there are so many of them. So a lot of people have noted all of these changes in our body or, or in our avatar, like the heart is now centered in the chest. Back in my old timeline, they only could, it was, it was offset to the left. And if they took your blood pressure, it was only on your left arm. And if you're having a heart attack, you'd only feel it on your left arm. But now your heart is in the center, so it's pumping blood evenly throughout your body. I call that an upgrade. Kidneys are more protected, you know, on either side of your lower lungs, up in your rib cage. So no, the kidney punch doesn't really exist anymore. Like, you know, someone's going to break your ribs to get to your kidneys. Even when they do a kidney transplant, they, they leave, like if you've got a bad kidney, they leave it there. They actually add a kidney in your intestinal area. So people that in this timeline, people that have a kidney transplant literally will have three kidneys unless they crack their, their ribs to, to take one out and put one in, which they don't usually do. And then, I mean, there's so many more. Our skeletal system has changed. Our cranium has changed. Our shoulders have become are more complex. Our vertebrae are stronger. Um, our eye sockets are different. Um, the list goes on and on that people have observed of, of upgrades, like you said. Why? How are our eye sockets different? That's fascinating. That that's. An it used to be that you could actually go right into the brain through your eye, but now there's no area like your your eye sockets are are solid, so that your brain is protected. Like that's not an it's not an entry point anymore. So, and if you look at this uh, a picture of a skeleton, you'll see that. Um, there's been changes with the nose and the cartilage in the nose and a, and a bone in the nose, like all these different things that for a lot of people that knew anatomy, they're like, wait, that's not the way it was. So, and there's even these things around our, our eyes, um, the irises called, I think they're called limbic circles, like a dark ring around our eyes. And for people that have them, it's supposed to be a sign of health. I literally have heard of people that woke up in the morning, they looked in the mirror, and they're like, what are these beautiful dark rings around, you know, the color of my eyes? And that's that's what that was. And I actually believe 
since December 21st, 2012, which I think is an important date, like literally every morning we've been waking up in a new reality, uh, whether we know it or not. And tomorrow we'll be waking up in another new reality. It keeps getting better and better. I, I hope you're right. That's, that's amazing. Um, I'm trying to think of what I was going to say. Oh, oh I was going to say a skeptic or, or someone uh, that a skeptic might say that, but were we, do you think we just had bad medical information back in the day and now we have better med medical information? Or do you think this is, no, this is definitely DNA upgrades or evolutionary upgrades? Well, I, you know, I, I believe it is. And a skeptic would also say that the geography changes of the earth were like bad map making. Like map makers should have known that South America isn't under North America. It's actually pushed out towards Africa and that the Suez Canal in my old timeline, um, the I'm sorry, the Panama Canal ran from east to west. Now it runs to north to south because Central America is so like pushed out. You, it has to go north and south. So, oh, bad map making. Or now, now Sicily, the island of Sicily is now almost attached to Italy. And Corsica and Sardinia are like big islands. And before I remember them being tiny little islands. Now they're big islands. So... Yeah. So, and there's many, many more uh, things related to geography. So how could the earth change? How could our bodies change? You know, all clues that this is not, this is not real. That's, this is fascinating. Um, what I want to, oh, one point I want to ask you is about a manned animal, a Mandela effect animal. Like what, okay. oh yeah. What, what is that? Like, yeah, the, the manned animals. Yeah. So um, a lot of people have noticed animals in the timeline that weren't there before. So for a lot of people that started looking at Mandela effects, like around the 2017 era, there was, uh, it's called the flying fox, which is like basically a giant bat that's uh, five or six feet tall with these big wings um, that lives in, um, I believe, Australia uh, or that, you know, that part of the world. And a lot of people are like, I never heard of that. I would have known about that. It should have been in like vampire movies. You know, th there should have been reasons why something like that existed. And then if you talk to someone from Australia, that's like from that part of the world, they'd be like, of course, there's flying foxes. Everyone knows about that. Basically like your dog with wings fly <laughs> flying around. So, yeah, and there's there's so many of these uh, manned animals or called Mandela effect animals that people have noted that just weren't in the reality before. I think the craziest one I, I heard you say on another podcast was that horses can grow a mustache. Oh, I thought that was like the, 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 the crazy that might've like took the cake for me. Like that was like, I was like, what are we living in? Like I've never heard that before. Like we would have saw that on Mr. Ed. Remember Mr. Ed, I'm 43 years old. So I remember all the old, like, you know, shows like, that would have definitely been on Mr. Ed because that was a comedy. And they, they would have probably thought that was funny that a horse could have a mustache, right? I think yeah. so, you know? Yeah, exactly. And the, there's a certain breed of horse, and it can happen with other horses, that are known to, like, grow their mustachio. And, yeah, like, that, to me, it's like, whoa, that's kind of like you would have noticed that. And they would have made movies about it or there would have been something about horses with mustaches. But, no. And even like the pupils of the of a horse's eyes are now rectangular. Um, and other animals, sheep, goats, um, anything that's considered a prey animal now has rectangular pupils 
which they say is an evolutionary upgrade because it allows them to see the horizon better. So they can escape um, someone that's, you know, an animal that's trying to, to you know, view them as prey. So, yeah, so animals have gotten upgrades. Humans have gotten, we're all getting upgrades. Yeah. And then I, I wanted to ask you, uh, one thing I, I heard you say that was really interesting was uh, that about, about our teeth, that they could be like, time crystals like and your theory on that could you explain that i thought that was fascinating yeah so that a lot of that stems into the mandela effect with the movie called moonraker where roger moore plays james bond and there's this villain on there called jaws and he's got all this metal in his mouth and he falls in love with this uh young woman named dolly and in my old timeline, he fell in love with her because she was wearing like all these braces. And now, and this one, this one is another one that's vibrating um, because you can see still shots of the movie uh, of Dolly and she's got perfectly white teeth, no braces at all. If you watch the movie, she now just has brackets on her teeth, you know, and what is that, you know, what is this a sign of besides changing timelines? But teeth are literally time crystals. That's why time travelers sometimes have teeth problems um, and people that are time traveling and may not realize it, you know, they're also having issues with, you know, with their teeth because your teeth record every substance that goes into your mouth and all the vibration, all the frequency, all the words that you say are all like recorded in your teeth. So they're literally, literally time crystals. So reading in that, into that Mandela effect with Jaws and Dolly, is it possible that the braces disappearing from Dolly is an example of we're in a better timeline because of the whole time crystal uh, connection? So yeah, it's really fascinating about about teeth and how they, in my perception, they are literally time crystals recording everything. That's fascinating. And speaking of time travel, um, the the Hindenburg incident. Like I thought, um, what you said about that was fascinating. Like, can you talk about that? Yeah, so so the Hindenburg, this is this is a really good one because um, when you tune into it from the Akashic Records, you begin to see that time travelers were involved, and there's usually a indication of time travel, and it has to do with something called Saint Elmo's fire. Um, so the day the Titanic went down, it is said it went down because of a rare atmospheric thing that was going on in New Jersey, and there was Saint Elmo's fire in the air. So what happened, too, is that there was a Mandela effect with the Hindenburg related to the number of survivors. So in my old timeline, the ship caught on fire, is filled with hydrogen instead of helium. Helium puts out fires. Hydrogen is highly flammable. So it was like at that time, like one of the worst aviation disasters in United States history. There were no survivors. However, now in this timeline, there's been changes and now there are 60, I believe 62 or 63 survivors. It might be 62, I have to double check. So two thirds of the people, there's like a hundred passengers and crew on board, two thirds of them actually survive. So, and I remember too, it was like, you know, oh, the humanity, you know, the, they were recording it. That's the other thing too. So they were recording the Hindenburg when it went down, which is very, which is very notable because what these time travelers noticed is that in every scenario where the Germans won 
World War II, and, and that whole concept's debatable anyway, but where, where the United States claimed victory, you know, over World War II, the Hindenburg also went down. And that's because people love these airships. You know, the Hindenburg was going between uh, Germany to South America to New York. It had all these flights. It, it, it had like over 63 or 62 successful flights. I think it was 62 successful flights. So these time travelers saw that the, the timeline where the Germans won, the, 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 um, the Titanic, the Hindenburg never went down. And that's because Germany was getting all of this prestige. People love the airships. You know, it was quiet. It was beautiful. You could cross the ocean much faster than you could, you know, in a boat, in a ship. So having the, having the, <laughs> having the Hindenburg go down was, was to some extent positive for the world, but um, they also have been maneuvering the number of survivors. So, and the, so the more survivors there are, you know, there are more people, the more generations that are born, et cetera. So, yeah, so that whole, that whole situation had to do with, with time travel and how time travel can be used for something positive or it could be used for something negative, like what happened in Tiananmen Square in China with, with the whole Tank Man incident. What's that? I've never heard of it. Okay, so in China, they were having all these protests, um, mostly students uh, related to all the abuses of the Chinese communist government. And in my old timeline, there was one man that stood up to these tanks that were rolling into Tiananmen Square. And he stood up, he stood in front of the, in front of the tanks. And then what happened was, again, this is my old timeline, the tanks yeah. ran him over. However... In this timeline, and, and by the way, when when that happened, there was film of it that was smuggled out, and the world saw it, and the world reacted, and everyone was like, "I can't believe this!" It changed. It changed China. China became a democracy. In my old timeline, it was modeled after the United States Constitution. Then one day, in like 2002 or 2003, I'm looking at, I'm reading something, and it talks about communist China, and I'm like. When did, when did China go back to communism? They became a democracy. Like they became an example to the world about how you can change. So what, what the time travel was, it was Chinese military realized that if Tank Man was never run over, that it would have changed history in their favor. So now when you watch the film of Tank Man, you know, the tank stops, you know, the, the, the guy who's called tank man. He climbs up on the tank. He talks to the tank driver. He gets off the tank and he walks away. It's like, so what, who cares? Why would that even have become so popular? Like, you know, somebody climbs on top of a tank during a protest. It was so popular in the past because he got killed and he became like a symbolism for one man can make a difference. Chinese military didn't want that. So they did time travel. They made, made they made sure that tank man was not killed. And then that changed things in their favor. So now we're in a timeline where communist China still exists. Okay, so that, that's what I was going to say. That's amazing. Like, so do you think that these that our governments, like our government, the Chinese government, and this could go into like the looking glass technology? Do you think they have like something like the looking glass technology or the chronovisor? I'm sure you yeah. remember the chronovisor. Like Andrew yeah. Basago talked about that stuff. Like. 
Um, yeah. Do you think that our governments possess this stuff and they're using it? And maybe there's like time travel wars? Oh, I, without a doubt. Um, even going back to the U.S. Civil War. Um, when I look at that in the Akashic Records, hold on, let me count. How many times did the South win the war? It's 50, 60, 70, 61. There's at least 60 times. There are all these, I call them time loops, where the South won the Civil War. However, the U.S. government saw, or whatever government, CIA, whatever agency you want to see, uh, name it, saw that if the North won, it would have made their military stronger. So there was all this manipulation and all these time, I'll call them time loop events, where basically the North was fed information about strategies of the South and so forth, so that the North could finally maneuver themselves to win. And a lot of people were like, oh, you know, it was good that the North won because, you know, Abraham Lincoln abolished slavery and all that. But 10 years before, um, the founder of the Mormon church, whose name was Smith, he actually ran for president or he was about to run for president before he got assassinated. And his whole platform was freeing the slaves. So it was a popular thing anyway. To, like the, the slaves are going to be freed anyway. It wasn't like the North were such good people like they, they wanted the slaves to be freed. So, yeah, there are all these timeline events where, where the U.S. government was involved sending back time travelers, doing whatever they were doing to manipulate the timelines to make sure that the North would win so they'd have a stronger military. It all comes down to that. You know, who, who would this win faster in the military? Yeah. So this is why we're probably seeing Mandela effects. Like every time You're someone probably it. tweaks the timeline – a Mandela, it, it screws something up probably in our reality. Do you think that's what it is or no? Yeah, because, you know, it, it it's whatever screws something up. Sometimes it might, maybe it'll make it better, mostly screws it up. And then we observe it from what we remember. So it becomes a Mandela effect because we remember something a certain way. So, and I can give you a, I'm going to give you a Mandela effect test. And you may or may not know this, but you mentioned like some older stuff that you know about. So, um, you've definitely heard of the I Love Lucy show, right? Oh, yeah, Ricky Ricardo, yeah. Yeah, and Lucy. I don't know if you've heard. yeah, so I don't know if you know about this one, but I'll tell you, like, fill in the blank. And anyone watching along, could, like, if they're, if they're familiar with the show, they would know this. So Ricky comes into the apartment. You know, Lucy, like, almost every episode, she does something ridiculous, right? So he's always mad yeah. at her. So he comes into the apartment, slams the door behind him, and he goes, Lucy, you got some blank to do. You got some explaining to do. Yeah, or a lot of people remember him saying splaining. So yeah, yeah, yeah that's exactly it. Yeah. But in this timeline, there is not a single episode of the I Love Lucy show where he ever says that. There's one episode you can find where they go to like Hollywood or something, and uh, Ricky says, I demand an explanation. He doesn't say splaining. He actually says it in perfect English. But there's no episodes of the I Love Lucy show where he goes, you got some splaining to do. So just why did your mind fill in with, with splaining unless you had heard that before? Exactly. That's what I, I feel about all these Mandela effects. Yes. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's just, a. I don't think it's like, you know, some people say it's a, a thing of us like remembering different. I don't think it's that. I think it's what it is what we know. Right. Right, right, exactly. It's it's our memory. 
and how we're navigating. We're actually literally going through the, the timelines and they're all there. They're like all like stacked on top of each other. And, and our consciousness is vibrating higher and higher. You know, I, we are, we've been going about an, almost an hour, but I just had to ask you one more question because it's so, it sounds like such a fun thing to talk about. And, and if you, if you can't explain it a long time, that's fine. Just however you want to do it. Um, the, 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 the story about the elephant that died that, that, that you said went to the electrical grid. I was trying oh, yeah. to understand it, but I thought that was fascinating because I think that kind of gives us the clue as to what we are and what we turn into when we leave this mortal coil. Can you talk about that? Yeah. And there's actually, there's a lot of soft disclosure about that in different types of movies, like uh, the movie Tron, where they go into like a computer mainframe system. But basically there is this elephant named Topsy and Topsy was a circus elephant um, in the New York area that was abused. She was abused by her, her owners and even the crowds would abuse her. This one, this one guy went up to her and lit his or put out his lit cigarette on her trunk. And uh-huh. she became like upset with that. And she wound up sitting on the guy and killing him. So she became wow. like a, a man killer, so to speak. But, you know, is that, you know, can you blame her like being abused all of her life? And then this happens. But there is a strategy there. So Topsy was the consciousness of a higher being that had a strategy because what happened was they decided the the um the government at that time decided they were going to execute topsy so they decided they were going to execute her by electrocution and of course thomas edison's film company was right there on the spot to to film it It was considered like a snuff film at that time so they tied topsy up to these railroad tracks and um they put this high voltage current that goes through her actually the guy that was operating it he almost died because there was so much high high voltage like even the controls were like going crazy so basically topsy dies and by electrocution cameras were rolling captured it all on film and her consciousness what you can see from the akashic records entered the newly formed new york city electric grid and you might wonder like why would why would a being want its consciousness to be able to enter into an electric grid? And then when you start looking further into that, you begin to see like what was happening with things like criminals being executed in the electric chair. And what would happen was like in the 1920s and 30s and, you know, even further into the future, if you were a mass murderer and let's say you had all these entities attached to you, you know, all these negative entities, they would execute you in the electric chair. And guess what? You and all these negative entities, demons, whatever you want to call them, would all go into the electric grid at the same time. So, and maybe they'd call in their friends, hey, we're going into the electric grid, join us. So Topsy became like a superhero. She knew this was going to happen in a future timeline to as much as she could protect the electric grid for the sake of humanity. So she she really sacrificed herself and she's still in there. And, you know, just me talking about it, talking about, I know it sounds like, you know, a, a, an elephant, a circus elephant, in the electric grid. It sounds like, like way like, Ooh, that, that doesn't make any sense, but could it make sense? Can't be, but somehow is. And then a lot of the people that have, you know, watched those videos I made about her, 
they've told me that Topsy communicates with them. And there's all these strategies. She's gone into nuclear reactors and um, into the satellite systems and, you know, all these different things. And she right now is, it's a secret mission. You know, no one's allowed to know about it, but there's some kind of big thing that she's going to be doing in the future to help humanity related to the electric power grid or, you know, whatever it is. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't want to know. So, yeah. So how could that be? And just talk, by talking about her supercharges, it supercharged the consciousness of her because now we've got all these humans, all these player characters thinking about her. It just brings her more and more to life. So in a way, do you think she's, um, she's a, has a, a, an egregore type feel to her? Like the, like that, that, like the consciousness that like, just like you said, they're bringing her more to reality. Like, and, and then on a higher note, like who is this higher being? Do we have any idea who this higher being was that was, that was her? Yeah, she was, um, she's lived many lives as a human. She was, um, many lifetimes. She was considered royalty, usually a female. And I don't want to say who she was, but she was somebody like important and someone that was even connected to the uh, kingdom of Hawaii before the U.S. military took it over in the late 1800s. It was literally when they did. I think Hawaii didn't become a state until 1958, but definitely related, related to Hawaii, Tartaria, um, and like I said, just many lives as, as a human. Wow, that's fascinating! Wow, well, this is this has been really fun. This is I, I, this has been one of the funnest podcasts I've ever done. So, thank cool. you so much for doing this. Can you tell everybody where to find you and anything you want to promote? And thank you so much. Yeah, um, you're very welcome. Uh, totally my pleasure. You can find me on YouTube if you go to my channel called Quantum Businessman. Um, I'll I'll pop up there. I also have a website, uh, QuantumBusinessman.com. And in the future, I'm going to be working on something called Abundance Academy, which has to do with uh, showing people how they can bring abundance into their life and, you know, how that works, uh, the whole concept of being, you know, that, that law of attraction and raising your frequency and really having the law of attraction or super attraction begin to flow to you. So I want to begin to teach people like how, how to do that so that everyone has abundance in their life. So I'll be working on that in the near future. I like that. Well, yeah, that's awesome. I'm, I might, I might be in your class because I, I, I want to learn that. Like, you know, like that's that's definitely something. Yeah. Well, thank you, Chris. And uh, I'll, I'll maybe we can do this again. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, let me know. Give me a heads up, and you know, especially too, if like if your audience has any questions, you know, leave them in the comments, and that could be a good basis for if we talk again. Because I'm, so, I'm sure I've said a lot of things that are controversial or some people that'll be like, oh, you know what? That sounds weird, but it's somehow like I know that. Like I should already know this stuff. So we'll see. Yeah. But I'm open okay. to it. Absolutely.